It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Now, a show for anyone who is or has a boss. This is The Boss Show with Jim Hessler and Steve Matenko. Welcome to The Boss Show. Today, part two of How Accountable Are You? We will offer you some practical tools straight out of our leadership model, which we call the leadership platform, for becoming more accountable and for helping your teams become more accountable, which means getting more stuff done so you can more effectively fulfill your own mission and your organizations. I'm Steve Matenko. I'm the psychology guy. I'm Jim Hessler. I'm the business guy and the founder of Path Forward Leadership Development and uh, the author, along with Steve, of the book Land on Your Feet, Not on Your Face, which is the, the basis for these planks that we're talking about in this leadership platform. You know, Steve, uh, it feels really good to be part of a high-performing organization. It, it, it's fun to be part of a winning team. Yeah. And it's very frustrating to be part of a team that's losing all the time. Yeah. So when we talk about accountability, what we're talking about is this wonderful rhythm that people get into, which is, I love that we say what we're going to do. We're crystal clear about it. Everybody understands their part in it. And, you know, more often than not, we get the damn thing across the finish line, mm-hmm. and, and we and we have this this wonderful... Um, culture built around consistency, mm-hmm. achievement, uh, and accountability. It's, and, a, it's great to be part of. And as a result, the respect that we get from our clients. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I, I bet as you listen to this, you've all been part parts of winning teams and parts of losing teams. And, and w- when I use those words, Jim and I have had some conversations uh, about this over the years, but when I use those words, I don't think of winning in terms of vanquishing any competition. <laughs> I think of winning in terms of maximizing your own potential, mm-hmm. um, working hard from your own sense of intrinsic motivation toward a vision, from your values, some of these things, that some of the foundations of accountability that we talked about last um, last week in the show. You might want to go to theboshow.com if you didn't hear that episode and, and download part one. But it's all about maximizing what you're here to do in life. And, ta- and, and tapping into this tremendous uh, emotional need that we have to do something significant or meaningful. To contribute world. in some ways. That's why we sing in choirs. It's why we play on softball teams. It's why we join good businesses because we, you know, so many of us just have this very elemental desire to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Just wanted to leave a couple seconds for that to soak in. Yeah. So last week we talked about um, we talked about how important accountability is. Obviously, if you want to get anything done in life, you got to be accountable to um, to maximize your your potential to do it, whatever that it is for you. And we talked about some foundations for that. Talked about values. Talked about vision. Talked about the character of the leader in any organization or leaders, and how critical that is for creating a, uh, a foundation or is creating an, a high accountability team, which is, means a team that's doing what it says it, it's going to do, what it wants to do, what it sees its place to do in the world or in the workplace. Um, we talked about the learning environment and how important it is um, if you're going to have a high accountability organization, that means you're going to get stuff done. When you get stuff done, you're going to fail sometimes. And how you treat failure is critically important to whether your team or organization continues to be um, highly accountable. 
Um, so we, we talked about all these kind of foundational pieces, and then we started getting into what we call the contract. And Jim, you said last week, um, do you remember what the, well, contract, what the line was? Yeah, about? I mean, the essence of a contract is two parties coming together and agreeing on an outcome. Uh, and it's an outcome that they both have a vested interest in. It's an outcome that requires both of them to contribute something to that outcome. And it defines very specifically what a, a positive outcome of that, of that agreement will look like and what will be considered uh, success or failure. And it also, mostly, most contracts will actually define consequence for failure of either party to perform in the execution of that contract. So we're really talking about the, embedding that fundamental idea into our interactions at work. So let's talk about specifically how to do that. If, if you think about every, um, every task assigned, every project that a team uh, takes on. Every order you need to fulfill for a customer. Every meeting every, on every the calendar. Every part you build, every meal you serve. Everything can be contract. seen as a contract. Mm -hmm. And if you um, diligently go through the components of the contract that we will suggest to you, chances are you're going to have a much higher accountability organization, which means you're going to get more stuff done and you're going to get it done better. So how do we start effectively. How do we start this contract? So it starts with a what, obviously. Mm -hmm. What is it that we're forming a contract around? What needs to be done? What is this project? What is this task? Let's talk about it um, very specifically so that everybody's on the same page. One thing that I love, Jim, about what you put into our book, um, Land on Your Feet, Not on Your Face, is that you talk about even an ad attitudinal shift. In other words, how you show up relationally in the workplace um, can be part of the what. So mm -hmm. if my boss sees a problem with, let's say, for example, I'm complaining too much. I'm taking too much of a victim mentality. I talk a lot about all the things that are going wrong and how, um, you know, our suppliers are not doing what they need to do to us or the people upstream from us uh, in our organization, even the team upst upstream that needs to feed us what we need for our job. Um, it's not working and they're not getting their stuff. If I'm complaining a lot, just as an example, then it's your job as a, as a boss to create a contract with me in which you help me to see that my attitude um, is not working for the team, is not uh, creating the kinds of results that are that are making us a high performance team. I also think this what is just it's also just a, a, a gut check. It's a it's us saying, you know, what is it we're really trying to accomplish here? What what, what is what is this thing? Rather than us just going through the motions and uh, collecting our paycheck, what, you know, what are we doing here? <laughs> and <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and that naturally segues into the second piece of the contract, which is the why. Right. <laughs> so right. W what are we doing is incomplete without why are we doing it? And then more specifically, it, my particular involvement in this project, this task, this order, whatever. Um, why is it me? Why am I the the one to 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 do it? Why am I the one who's being called to do it? And what is the vision that this helps us to pursue? That's all part of the why. Yeah, we were with a group of clients uh, just this morning where we were, we were helping them launch a, a program on, on how to uh, become better uh, coaches around the, the 360 assessment process. And we started the conversation with the why. Mm -hmm. why. Why is this important? And that is so habitual with me now 
that I feel very incomplete about launching any, any discussion of mechanics without a why in front of it. It, it just that, that has become so foundational with me. And and yet I see people all the time launching right into tactics, right into to, to the thing that we're making or the project without establishing that why. And of course you reference Simon Sinek in your notes and boy, you know, nothing happens if people don't understand why. It's yeah. it's context. Right. He mentions that most companies default to the what and the how. Here's yep. what we do. Here's how we do it. Right. And that's and and that and is they supposed think to be that's, compelling. That's right. They right. they think that's the why. Yeah. And then the great marketing companies are the are the companies that create the why around you should why you should buy their product before they establish why the product what the product even is mm-hmm. they create an image around that product i think apple famously oh, of did, course. has yeah. done that yeah. throughout the years yeah. yeah um so what the what is critically important component of the contract the why the third component is um, and by the way if the why is just so we can make money and not have the customer yell at us that's not a good enough why <laughs> right we had a client uh, <laughs> who um when asked for the vision that he wanted to use to motivate his the people on his team he said he talked about gross margin he talked about a, per- a specific percentage of gross margin mm-hmm. this is not a motivational why no. for most people yeah. so that why has to tap into people's intrinsic motivation so we're talking about high accountability organizations and we're giving you a tool with a set of components, the tool that we call a contract for creating higher accountability in yourself and in your teams, regardless of your position in the hierarchy. This is not just for managers. We've talked about the importance of focusing on the what, what needs to be done. It's kind of obvious, but uh, quite often uh, managers don't go into enough detail and don't get people on the same page um, as clearly, which includes talking about the second component, the why half everybody's got to be on the same page as to why we're doing it and why we're doing it the way we're doing it <clears throat> in order for it to be truly motivational enough to create high it, accountability yeah, if you leave out just those two things you will not have a high accountability right. organization right it's astonishing how often people leave meetings this is what i want our listeners to think about how often in your organization do you leave a meeting and then you come back and have the same meeting a month later and nothing changed and, and and that's a good segue. Nothing into, happened. And that's a good segue <laughs> into the third component. Most often, in my experience, the reason that that's the case is that there's not a who attached to action items. So yeah, you let's a, get to work on that. You're right. We'll take. Let's let's see what we can do about that. I mean, there's all this soft language yeah. that people use. So both from Jim's business guy perspective and from my psychology guy perspective, meaning my experience in executive coaching and and understanding in order to coach executives how people grow, how how adults learn and develop sustainably you have to you have to make somebody responsible you uh, any action item that's drawn up in any meeting or on paper or email there's got you can't just assign it to a team you've got to have a single point person responsible for um, any given piece of a project or task which somebody's does, name has to be attached to which it which does not mean that that's the person that does the work that's the person that's accountable for the outcome who does the work is not defined at this stage. Right. That's a, it's a separate layer of detail beyond this. But if it's a, if it, 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 we're just saying when we come back next month, you're the person I'm going to ask for an update on that 
project or that task, and you're the person who's going to hold the accountability for telling me whether it got done or not, whether or not you did the work. Right. A lot of people get hung up on that. Right. So if yeah. I'm the person accountable, I'm the person who has to decide who does the work. In or, some cases, or has to yes. And enroll others yeah. in, in making sure that the work gets done. Right. Project managers have so, to deal with this all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. From yeah. a place of not, uh, from a lack of authority, right. or positional authority. Uh, it's a problem that so many people are running into more and more all the time. So we've got the what, we've got the why, and now we've got the who. What's next? What's next is the when. Ah, uh, j- uh, maybe the most important <laughs> step forward for most of our client organizations. Yeah, you've, you yeah. fall off a cliff if you've got the what, the why, the who, and you don't have a when. Yeah. Because you can say, okay, Jim, you are accountable for this. But if you don't say, if you don't set deadlines, or uh, and, and I want to emphasize this, help Jim set deadlines. Get his input. In fact, all of this stuff really wants employee input as much as possible. It's much more effective for, to say to Jim, um, when can you have this done by? And to negotiate that if necessary, than to say, I need this done by Friday and walk out the door. It, take, take, take out your notepad and listen, or buy our book, Land on Your Feet, Not on Your Face, because this is really critical. When you, if you want to have a high accountability organization, you have to establish timestamps on almost every critical process. If you're a company that says stupid and useless stuff like, uh, we'll get to it when we have time, or uh, get to that as soon as possible, or when time allows, or if you're using that kind of nonsense soft language, you're not a high accountability organization. But establish, establishing a time st- stamp then requires you to do the next things on the contract, which is to establish a what-if agreement so that if I'm not meeting the time stamp agreement that we originally made, and I know in advance that I'm not going to meet it, I have an obligation to report back to you prior to the expect date. So if I say I want something at noon on Friday, two things need to happen. If the person who agreed to deliver it by noon on Friday can't deliver it by noon on Friday, they need to tell me before noon on Friday. And then the second, maybe even more important thing that needs to happen is I need to be organized enough to mark my calendar for noon on Friday and go to that person and say, where's that thing that you said you'd have done by noon on Friday? If I'm not doing that, then I am. Then that person is going to get soft in their accountability and they're not going to deliver consistently because I made it okay for them to not deliver and I didn't say anything about it when it didn't happen. And if you do that at the beginning of a project or a relationship with a new employee or whatever, then maybe you you don't have to do it. You don't have to continue to do it because you're creating an, an environment in which if noon on Friday comes along and it's not done, they're going to let you know. And they know it's going to be uncomfortable to report in at 12.01 and say that didn't get done. Sorry. Right. So this is where a little bit of toughness needs to come in. But you don't need to be a jerk. You're just We're doing what I call noticing out loud. We said Friday noon. It's noon Friday. Where's the work? And you're noticing and you're following up and you're creating that rhythm and and discipline. And you're being curious about what's going on that's, uh, if anything, that's keeping it from. And and part of the when and the what if is asking for status reports. If you're a boss or a project manager who's not a boss, asking for status reports as necessary. So in the contract itself, you may want to say, let me know once a week what's happening or only let me know if something is an obstacle is showing up. I'll be part of the contract. Now, here's the next thing that's really, really, really important, and that is do not set up a culture in your organization where people are accepting 
responsibility for work that they don't have time or resources to deliver. So in other words, if, you, if your boss comes to you and says, hey, here's this thing and I need it by noon on Friday. If you don't think you can deliver it by noon on Friday, you've got to have the courage to say so. And you've got to say one of two things needs to happen. Either I need help or I need to reestablish my priorities so I can do this ahead of something else that you've already asked me to do. Do not see your task list as a as a bottomless pit that people continue to throw things into. So accountability is dependent on both parties in the contract. One to maybe suggest or assign the work, and the other one to responsibly tell that person whether they can or cannot deliver what's been asked for in the time frame. If you can't deliver, you have to say so. And it's the boss, it's incumbent on the boss to open the space for that to be said. Yeah. And so that might be a brainstorming and negotiating conversation. So if I'm, apply, if I'm um, uh, assigning something to you, then there ought to be a conversation that says, is there, you know, are you so, to what extent are you so full of uh, priorities right now that this causes a problem? If it doesn't, we're fine. But if it does, then let's have a conversation about what to defer, uh, you know, what to delegate delegate, what to just simply take off your plate, how to do something in, a, in an abbreviated way so that you have time to do this. That's a brainstorming and negotiating conversation that's all about priorities. Yeah, and and this, this prioritization is huge for effective implementation of the contract. Absolutely. And this is part of our no heroes philosophy at Path Forward, which is we don't need heroes who heap work on themselves, who, who agree to do the impossible, even though some companies say they value uh, that employee, that employee is acting irresponsibly if they're accepting responsibility for work that they have don't have the time or resources to accomplish. And the last um, piece of this contract, the last component that we talk about, we, we before the break we talked about um, prior, prioritization, how it's important, uh, critically important to help people prioritize their workload, whether you're a boss or just somebody working on a project with them, um, so that uh, the, the the highest priority things get done in time. The very last piece to kind of tie a ribbon around all of it is an agreement is getting an agreement um, without which, uh, you know, all of your previous work in implementing the components of this contract might uh, be to no avail. So you got to end up with a question like, um, but can let's, you do this? But let's the, set the stage for that. Okay. So we've been through the contractual discussion. We are in agreement on what needs to be done. We've identified who's going to do it, when's it when it is, it's due. Uh, you've hopefully discussed priorities and bandwidth and resources. Status updates. And so you look at the person and you say, based on all of this, tell me whether you can responsibly commit to having this thing done by the date that we agreed yep. to. Yep. And the, the contract is not complete until that person verbally signs the contract by saying yes. Right. Yes. Now, people love to say yes to their bosses. And often say yes when they shouldn't. And this is where the, your culture is really, really important because bosses tend to be hard-driving people. They tend to be very results-oriented people, and they often don't want to hear no. Mm. And yet employees absolutely have to learn to say no to their bosses if their bosses are asking them to do something that they don't have time or resources to do. Or, this is really tough, but it's a healthy culture. It is, and, and or, or at least 
to say um, if only not saying if, no, only if I for can example, do that. If I had yeah. a client once who said every time my boss, um, I've learned over time. Every time my boss assigns me a project or a task, I'm always busy. I'm always I've always got more to do than I than I have time to do. Mm-hmm. So every time I get a new project or a, or a task, I say to my boss, "What would you like me to take off my plate yeah. in order to allow time and space for this project?" Yeah. So it, it, it takes some courage to do that. It also takes a high level of organization, because if you're going to have that conversation with your boss, you better be able to 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 pull out your project list or your to do list and justify what you're saying. Because if your boss asks you to do something, you just say, oh, you know, I just don't have time to do that. That's pretty weak. Mm-hmm. But if you pull out your task list, your calendar, your two list, whatever you're using to organize yourself, and you say, here's all this stuff. There's a red line on this list. If it's below the red line, it's not going to get done. You need to decide with me what to push below the red line so I can do the thing that you just asked me to do instead. So we go back to this idea that everything that happens in the workplace is a contract. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even a meeting on a calendar is a contract. Even a meeting on a calendar needs a very clear what. And the subject matter needs a very clear why. And the action items that come um, out of the meeting need a very clear who and a very clear when and a very clear what if. So... After you've gone through all these steps, then it's about executing the contract. It's about following up, as we spoke of earlier, uh, diligently and appropriately. It's about getting the status reports you need, making adjustments as necessary. It's about making clear everyone knows what decision is whose and what decisions need to be elevated. All of these are fleshed out in Plank 10 of our book, Land on Your Feet, Not on Your Face. It might be an interesting read for you. I just want to remind our listeners that um, our business is teaching in in an extended and sustainable way people uh, organizations and people leaders within those organizations how to create accountability how to create shared vision how to create high levels of communication and we do it by a a really a a very um, systemic kind of rinse lather repeat um, process of trying things coming back and and trying new practices this thing about accountability, again, it's not just about getting things done. It's not just about creating profit. It's not just about completing projects. It's, it's about demonstrably creating a better place to work. Because again, like we talked about, it's just a lot better to work at a place where things get done consistently and we can all feel good about the contribution we make to that effort. The Boss Show is produced by Path Forward Leadership. Our sound engineer is Kevin Dodrell. And if you missed any of the show, go to thebossshow.com. All of our past shows are stored there. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, rule rule number number six. six.